But like I said, some people I know are getting tired of social media. And it's not because of the ability to connect with people. They actually love to connect with their family across the country or with the church members here. But, and face, but Facebook does have its good, good things because in the last few weeks it's been used for calls to prayers of something that's been going on in a church member's life or it has been called for immediate help for somebody. Now, in theory, social media is a good thing. But so was man at first. Now it's impossible to get on Facebook without finding something that draws you in. And that's not always a good thing. There is so much hateful, sexual, and political junk on, face, on social media these days that it is impossible to find much that is good. I sometimes find it hard not to confront people about it. Social media has become more important to some people than the Bible. And for some people, it has become their Bible. Some people would just believe everything they're told on Facebook or Twitter as it is real. They don't check anything, and they just believe what they're told. So social media has started to reign over the earth. Now, I did not come up here to preach against social media today, but it became a perfect example of the problems we face in our lives. So let's read our passage. It's Psalms 47. Clap your hands, all people. Joy to God, shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He seduces people under his feet and nations under uh, He seduces people under us and nations under our feet. He chooses our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to, the God, to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with a song. God reigns over the nations, he sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of God of Abraham. For the shield of the earth belongs to God, and he is highly exalted. Okay, let's pray. Lord, help us to see praises in this passage. Show us how you want us to praise you, and also help me to give the message today that you want. That it will be one from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Now, when it was decided I was going to pray today, Scott looked up Psalms 47 and started to laugh. Now, when Matt discovered what Scott found so funny, there was no chance of me getting a different passage because they wanted to see how I would do this one. 
anyone who's been around the three of us know that we know that we have our own different ways of how we preach and how we worship. Everyone really does. I think I've seen Scott preach one time when he didn't start crying. I mean, he, he's crying all the, every, almost every sermon. And then Matt, well, he's a sound tech's worst nightmare. Matt will get up here and be, will get up here very loud one minute, and you think he's going to blow these speakers, and then the next minute, he's whispering, and you can barely hear him. And you're sitting back there on the board, and it's like, what do I do? Some Sundays, I wonder if that's how Matt makes sure everyone's awake. And anyone who has been around me knows that I'm not a singer, and I'm not very outgoing. I'm not one to shout out or to raise my hands, mainly because it hurts my shoulders too much. But, and I've never been able to reach that worshipful state through song like a lot of y'all here do. That's why Matt and Scott found it so funny thinking of how I might do this passage. And this passage at first glance is about joyful praise. But when I started to study this passage, I discovered that praise and worship is the main theme. But we must look at ourselves first. So I have a question for y'all. What reigns in your life? What reigns in your life? Or you could also say, who is your king? In ancient times, the answer to that question could be very important. It could tell someone where you're from. Now, if you go to some places and name the wrong king, the locals there might run you off or they might outright kill you rather than just deal with you anymore. But now, if that king of that area was a good king or was feared, he was the ultimate celebrity of his land. His word was law, his commands followed, and his people loved him. So, who is your king? Who gets your love, attention, and praise? I know who mine is. Even though I have to be reminded of it from time to time. You see, when you stop praising your king just so you can take a break and rest for a while, other kings out there try to take you away. Now, these others that are trying to be kings tease you away with pleasures and comforts. Now, this is the lure of sin, it's also the lure from social media drugs, porn, and other things. But we must remember who our real king is, Jesus. Now in the first four verses, we're going to see how our God is an awesome king. Those verses, I'll read them again. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with a loud song of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. 
He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. Now, the Jews were very enthusiastic in worship. They would make all kind of noise one minute and be still the next. Now, in our last psalm, Psalm 46, they were told to be still. But in this psalm, it opens up with telling them to start clapping. But the verse does not say for only the Jews to clap, but all the people, everyone there. That's a call for everyone, regardless of heritage, to join into worship. Then they were instructed to sing songs of joy. Now, normally for us, the music will start and then we start clapping. So why would they be told to start clapping first? Well, Charles Spurgeon said something about this. He says, if they could not all speak the same language, the symbolic language of the hands they could all use. Clapping shows your enthusiasm. How often have you seen a large group of people just like this? I know, it could happen. But it's more likely you're going to see a group when you got someone clapping like this and people are getting loud. The writer knew this knew this and in his opening command and in the opening command would get people excited and ready to sing out loudly the next couple of verses show us what our applause is and shoutings are for the whole reason why is our our god is an awesome king is they were making and why we were making this joyful noise that our God is the king of all the earth. The God will show, that God will show his might and put our enemies under us. Those who have read the Bible have seen this. God, time and time again, would help the Israelites defeat an enemy that they couldn't otherwise. Or that God would help the Israelites defeat an enemy in a way that should not have worked. Now in verse 4, the psalmist praises God for their heritage, being from the line of Jacob. But in verse 1, he called out for all people. Now why did he do this? Why do you think he might try to confuse us like this? But there is a command at the end of verse 4, say la. Selah means to stop and reflect. Right here, this could mean to stop and think about what God has done for you in your life. But it also wants you to reflect on the scripture. Not just this passage, but all the scripture. The psalmist understood all the scripture they had at, at that time. And he remembered the promises of God to Abraham. The, promises, the promise to make his descendants more numerous than the stars and the promise to bless all nations through him. God's promise to bless, to bless all nations through Abraham was to make Jesus 
one of those many descendants. These first four verses show us a great reason to praise God. From the beginning of time to the end of time, God is in control. That he will deal with all the enemies of his church. And he is here to save them. Yes, God loved the Jewish people and chose them over all the people of the earth to be his. But he used them to send Jesus so everyone could have a chance to be in his kingdom. Now that we have seen how our God is an awesome king, we're going to see how, we're going to see that our God is a triumphant king. In verse 5, it says, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Now, the psalmist gave us an image of God ascending back into heaven. Throughout the Old Testament, when God was described as, to, as coming down when he came to help the Israelites, like a king that had ridden out to battle, God had come down in the earlier verses and led his people to their salvation. Now we see the king returning from battle. Now in ancient times, when an army returned from winning a war, the people would celebrate. There would be a huge parade when the king and his generals rode through the city with a lot of fanfare and a lot of trumpets. These people were worshiping their king. This is the same kind of worship we should be giving God. Not some mildly energetic song that we sing. A song that we must read the words because we have not taken it to heart. Think about the song, Come Thou Fount. We, we sang it last week. It's a very popular song in almost every church I've gone to. It's a wonderful song that lots of people love. But I have a question about the second verse. It starts out, here I raise my Ebenezer. Well, what's an Ebenezer? Does anyone know? Well, I have to admit that until I wrote this message, I didn't know. But an Ebenezer, Ebenezer comes from the Hebrew word Ebenezer. Not much change there, but that happens. But it means stone of help. I had no clue. I've run that song, I forgot how many times. But, and it also surprised me because I'm the type of one that I want to know what I'm saying. And I'm the type that wants to know what's in the songs I love. So this started making me think about other song lyrics that might have meanings I don't know. Now, in general, the Jewish people didn't have to worry about this because they knew their songs. 
they memorized the Psalms and they would recite them all the time. It's how they would keep themselves occupied when walking down a road. They didn't have a songbook or a scroll. They just knew them. Now they would also sing out what was in their hearts. And that's the commands of verse 6 and 7. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. Now this phrase, sing praises, is repeated five times in these two verses. Four times in verse 6 alone. Now in Hebrew, in their written language, they would repeat words and phrases to emphasize things, just like we would use an exclamation mark. So we are commanded here to sing loud praises to God, make a noise that everyone around would know what was going on. Be so joyful that all who hear would want to join in. For we are worshiping our king, who is the king of all the earth, not just our little corner of it. Now, I have to say, it's one thing I love about this church. We don't just praise God in our little corner of town. We praise him everywhere. Some churches I've been to praise God in their building and hardly ever go out. But we leave our little corner and we go throughout the town and the next towns and we praise him. Because he is our God, just like the Jews claimed him, but he is also the God of everyone else out there. That is why he sent Jesus. Jesus, who triumphantly defeated death and rose from the grave after three days to free those who would follow him from, his sin, from their sins. And this is why we should praise him so loud so everyone around us could hear about Jesus so that they could share in the blessing that he gives in our lives. Now, we've seen how God is an awesome king and that our God is a triumphant king. But we also see in this passage something else. Our God is king of kings. As we sing our loud praises to God, we are commanded in the last few verses that we must remember that God is not just our king, but he is the king of all the earth. Kings of many nations of the Bible have praised God and feared him. Remember Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel? He praised God after God saved the three from the fiery furnace. In verse 8 it says, God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. There might be someone who reigns over a nation. But God reigns over them. God is over everything 
in this world. And he is always there. When the verse says God is on his holy throne, it doesn't mean he's just up there for the view. It's because he is where he is needed. God is always on his throne so that we can know where to find him. Now, we are taught from a young age what to do in emergencies so that we don't have to think about what needs to be done. The other night when the tornado sirens were going off, I heard my kids say a few times, looks like we're going down to the basement. And I know that if things had gotten worse than they had, that my kids would have gone down there without me having to tell them. And I didn't have to pull them aside and remind them before the storm. They just knew. So how come when we have storms in our lives, we must remember that God is there for us? I know when I started working on this sermon, I got derailed, majorly. I had a migraine that lasted for two days and messed up everything I had to do for the whole week. I was behind on everything. But when I did get to start working on it, nothing would come out. I could not get any ideas of what to say here today. Now, did I turn to God and pray for his help? That's what I should have done right off. But no, because of all the other stuff in our lives, in my life, pulling my attention away from where it should have been, I didn't. There's just so much other stuff in the, our lives. Once, but once I did call out to God to help me, I realized that all that other stuff, that that junk, was the reason I could not form this message. I prayed to God to help me and I set myself towards him, and ideas for what to say were flowing faster than I could type. God was on his throne. I just didn't look there when I first had troubles. Now, the last, second half of verse 9, for the shield of the earth belongs to God. He is highly exalted. God was there to protect me from all that junk, all that stuff, just like he is there to protect you from all the junk in your life. And God sent Jesus down to become our saviors to shield us from all this junk that Satan would throw at us. Jesus is the shield for those who choose to accept it. Now, this psalm is a psalm of praise, but it is also a psalm of reassurance. We have been shown many things from God, how he is always there when we need him, how he protects his people, the love he has for his people, and that he has called all people to him. After studying this passage, I find reassurance in him. 
That is why I praise God. So, who remembers that question I asked earlier? What reigns in your life? The God we are shown in Psalms 47? Or the world? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time we've come together to study on you. Lord, I thank you for the help you gave me through this week. And I also thank you for being there on your throne, right where I could find you. Lord, help us in our week ahead. Help us to see the many reasons to praise you, like the returning victorious king you are. Guide us in the days ahead. Forgive us where we have failed you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.